Do you have ransomware in your MSP agreement? That's today's question for the MSP Zone. You are entering the MSP Zone, a podcast for the managed services community, covering news, analysis, and interviews from around the globe. Elevate your MSP game by staying in the MSP Zone. And now, your host, Charles Weaver. It's that time again. No, not just time for another MSP Zone episode, but time for our conversation to turn to the future to discuss cutting edge managed services theory that it's theory today, but tomorrow it'll be practice. Um, Today we have a very riveting discussion uh, and it's going to get a little complex, but we're going to break it down and make things very simple for you guys, very easy to understand because it is a very important topic. Um, and no, just for those of you who are now running your managed services uh, Word doc agreements through your antivirus saying, my gosh, do we have a ransomware embedded in our agreements? No, that's not what we mean. Um, we're talking about references to ransomware in managed services agreements, your master services agreement, your service attachments, your service agreements, whatever you call your legal uh, agreements. We're not in contracts class here in law school, but we're talking about the formal legal documentation that you use to um, embody the relationship you have with your customers. Do those documents maintain or contain any reference to ransomware? And you might think, well, why would we bring that topic up in a, in a contract, no less? Well, there's probably a lot of reasons why you would want to bring up ransomware, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. So um, joining us again from the great state of Texas, um, our friend Rob Scott. Rob, welcome. Thank you, Charlie. Good to be with you. All right. So this, now, ad admittedly, even with your with your clients, a lot of whom are MSP Alliance members, um, this is probably an area of evolving practice. Would would you say like this is the, this theory of, of ransomware showing up in managed services contracts? That this isn't mainstream yet, or is it? No, I don't think it is, Charlie. I will say that we have had uh, ransomware um, provisions in our recommended contracts with customers for a number of years, but um, in light of the uh, recent ransomware attacks uh, involving Kaseya, uh, we've had to take a really close look at those agreements and um, evaluate whether or not one of our clients, if they were in the position of the MSPs that were affected by the Kaseya incident, whether or not those agreements would be adequate uh, and sufficient uh, to protect the MSP in the event of a court case. And, you know, I've been thinking about this Kaseya case since it's happened and yeah. talking to it with many clients and, and many uh, industry experts, including you. And um, we've made some changes as a result. I think that there are things that need to be uh, improved um, in terms of customer contracting, specifically on the topic of ransomware 
Uh, and some of the things that we've changed have been sparked by uh, my studying of the Kaseya incident and uh, the contractual issues involved in that incident. Yeah. So, no, uh, absolutely. So here's what I want to do, Rob. I'm going to ask you two questions. Um, one is, you know, what meant the, the question of the day is what inclusion or mention or reference to ransomware should be in a typical managed service provider agreement. But to lead up to that question, maybe you could give the the audience out there a little bit of an, a quick overview of what has changed, let's say before the SolarWinds, uh, you know, Orion and the, the Kaseya events of, of this year, what happened, what was different before and what's different today that brings up this whole topic in the first place? So we first started including provisions about ransomware and customer contracts because MSPs were getting put in a pickle. Um, Their customers would be uh, attacked by ransomware. The customers would call the MSP and say, you have to fix this. I've got a problem with IT. You're my IT. And so the... uh, MSP would say they want $4,000 ransom. It's going to cost us 10000 in labor to remediate. We think you should pay. Customer says, no, I'm not paying. Do the work. And the MSP's contract was unclear whether that work was in scope or out of scope and whether they could charge for it hourly, and if so, at what rates. And this is not necessarily the MSP's fault in, in this scenario, Correct. Correct. I mean, these are criminal acts of third parties, right? When you're talking about ransomware. Um, and, um, you know, I, I'm saying independent of fault, you know, in, in the situations, in many situations, you know, fault would be very difficult to determine without, you know, significant forensics and other tests and studies that we might not have. But look, the point of the matter is the MSP is not the insurer against criminal acts of third parties any more than, you know, a landlord or, or, or a maintenance company would be responsible for criminal acts perpetrated on land mm-hmm. or in a building. Uh, the, this, the requirement for the MSP is to uh, perform the services uh, consistent with the standard of care and the terms of the service agreement. And that's why it's important to make sure that the service agreements make it clear that, one, if the customer suffers a ransomware attack, the customer has to decide whether to pay. The MSP is not to pay or get involved in paying. Two, that if the MSP is to provide remediation services in connection with a ransomware attack, that such services are above scope for purposes of the monthly recurring revenue and the monthly managed services. It would be treated as a project. These concepts, Charles, uh, predate uh, solar winds and Kaseya. Right. These are thi- these are things that you know we've been including in contracts for you know a couple of years since. You know, MSPs have been getting caught up in these ransomware issues. So last 24, 36 months, uh, essentially. But would, uh, Rob, do you have a general assessment of how 
how much penetration you think there is of inclusions of, of these types into the general MSP populace? Uh, my, my guess is you know, a, fra- a small fraction. Yeah, under 10% maybe? Look, I have never consulted with a prospective client and reviewed their agreements where they had them. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I can't speak to what, you know, what's in agreements I haven't seen. Right. But, but, but uh, my experience suggests that um, when we uh, implement these issues for our clients, it's not something that's, that was there before. Okay. So uh, we're, we're dealing with a lot of agreements even today that don't have those types of protections uh, not not just protections for the MSP, but it protects the customer, right? The customer needs to know what scenarios might impact them, uh, especially ransomware. Um, so I think it's good. So, you, sorry, I, I interrupted you. That's before. How, what has changed now um, after Kaseya and SolarWinds? So now the real issue is understanding the facts in Kaseya and, and you know, uh, postulating a hypothetical MSP client in a court case that comes out of that event and, and a contract set that just says that about ransomware and not a lot more other than MSP delivers the services through third parties and MSP is not responsible for any failure of a third party. You know, as I started thinking about defending an MSP in that case, I really uh, started to think that that level of a waiver uh, is probably not going to hold up in a lot of courts because the standard for a waiver of that type would be a clear and unequivocal waiver of a known right. And I'm just not sure how that language would rise to that level because um, it's not... Uh, enough transparency around who the vendors are, what the terms of the agreements are that will govern. Uh, and so I, I felt that we had to take a step forward and really address that gap and, and to really make it to where the MSP's customers really were making a clear and unequivocal waiver of any uh, claims caused by third-party service providers. So I, I want to pause right there, Rob, because there there's probably a lot of people who aren't lawyers don't don't you know understand concepts like waiver. Um, y- you you probably have a lot of people in the audience saying to the first part pre pre you know Sorlewin's Kaseya attacks saying, well yeah I would love to have those types of provisions in my agreements because they really help me to um, not have to do a bunch of cleanup work through um, through no fault of my own you know caused by you know some some ransomware gang that that attacked my customer, and it clearly delineates what is a managed services included um, scope of service, but also what isn't. This is now very different. You're talking about waivers. Most custom, most MSPs probably that I talk to, and probably I'm assuming with you as well, they're they're coming to the table saying, "I want to be protected as as much as I can." And are they coming to you and saying, I want those types of waivers that, that give me maximum protection? And you're saying, wait a minute, you don't really want that because this is this is the unintended consequence of that. Is that how it, the 
conversation plays out? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, the clients aren't talking in terms of waivers. I think it's more of what you said at the first part is I'm hiring you because you're an expert in the field and uh, our contracts are not where we want them to be. And we're interested in being protected. I mean, that, I mean, that's paraphrasing. That's the, the value proposition uh, for why uh, MSPs hire Scott and Scott or other lawyers, frankly, right. to help them with their contracts. Um, what I'm saying on this waiver piece is the MSP should not be responsible for failures of third-party services. MSPs are not insurance companies. Uh, the fact that an MSP chose a vendor that had a failure should not make the MSP responsible legally for that failure. Okay, now hold on. I'm going to hit the pause button again. I'm going to do a little um, Phil Donahue here. But Rob, I'm a customer of managed services. I employ an MSP to handle my outsourced IT management. And I don't have any choice in who they pick. I had nothing to do with that. And then all of a sudden I get hit. And, and what is the response that you would have for that? My response is, number one, um, you may not have an impact in who, who they choose, but you're, with our new approach, going to be able to see exactly who it is and what the terms and conditions are. Uh, and number two, if I wasn't, if the MSP wasn't coordinating these vendors and bringing a bundled solution for you, you would have to go out and engage with, you know, similar solution providers directly. And you should not be put in a better position contractually by going through the MSP than you would be going direct with the vendor, because that means the MSP is in an insurance provider role, which it is not. So, okay. So for those out there listening, that's really critical what you just said. So if I am an, if, if I'm the end user and I say, I, I want the MSP to hold the, the bag of risk because they have, they, the MSP have a contract that disclaims liability for both the MSP and for me, the customer, your argument is, well, that's not, that doesn't hold water because if I went directly to Kaseya or SolarWinds and they had that or anyone that has that type of disclaimer language, I'm going to be in the same boat. That's what you're saying, right? Exactly. Okay. And, and, and if you're doing the contracting right, that's where it lands. If as a result of the contract with the MSP, the customer is uh, in a less risky position than it would have been going direct, then you got a problem as the MSP because now you've got a risk that uh, is out of whack. You, you're providing insurance for a third-party vendor. You're reselling something, making a few bucks a seat, whatever, and now you're carrying all of the risk. It makes really no sense to me. The real, the real proper way to structure these arrangements is where um, – the MSP is not putting the customer in any stronger or, or weaker legal position than it would be if it went direct. And as long as you're doing that, it makes, you know, my philosophy of managed services makes perfect sense. The, the MSP is a service provider. 
if Kaseya has a a security vulnerability that gets compromised, that should not be on the MSP. The MSP should not be responsible for that. So I I, I think most MSPs out there listening to you, Robert, are probably saying, "Yeah, this makes sense. I, I'm with you." But now let's get let's get specific. Pre Kaseya, the let's say they had a Rob Scott you know, Scott and Scott special uh, set of agreements, and they included ransomware provisions that articulated to the customer what and what is not covered in a managed services uh, scope uh, specific to a ransomware um, attack. Now we're talking about something different because this is not articulating just what is or is not in scope of a managed services offering related to ransomware, but you're now articulating specific types of vendors? Are you going as far as to say anything about the vendor, the third-party vendor supply chain um, disclaimer of liabilities? Is that making its way into your your contracts? So here's the solution that we came up with, Charlie, in response to Kaseya. It's called a schedule of third-party service providers. It's a exhibit to a managed services contract or master services agreement. It um, will be referenced in whatever it is that the customer signs. Or, you know, you could have the customer sign it directly. But the idea is that every vendor, not just those that could result in ransomware, this goes beyond just ransomware. This is any third-party failure. Because Kaseya fact pattern is not limited to just ransomware. The risk associated with failures of third-party MSP uh, service uh, tools, you know, vendor uh, tools, it goes beyond just ransomware into any kind of security and privacy kind of issue. Downtime? Downtime could be, you know... Uh, Loss of uh, data? Phishing attacks could be, you know, data breach. I mean, there's a number of things other than just ransomware. Right. And all of these things are solved or at least improved from a legal perspective by virtue of this schedule of third-party solution providers. So picture this, Charlie. You've got an MSP that's, you know, pretty standard managed service provider, you know, and they're going to have a list of, you know, the, the tools that they use. So their stack will be, you know, not the specific products, but the vendor stack is disclosed on this schedule. It says Kaseya. Uh, and it's you know, a brief description of you know what we use it for. We use Kaseya for XYZ, RMM, or whatever the various solutions are. And uh, the uh, Kaseya end user license agreement that will govern usage of the solution is at this link, Mr. Customer. That's, you know, item one on the schedule. The next one is uh, security awareness training by Nobefore. We use Nobefore for security awareness training. Or, you know, there's any number. You know, I'm just using Nobefore as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, and we list Nobefore. We say we use it for security awareness training. And then we put a link to the third party, uh, to the end user license agreement. And at the bottom of this schedule, we put in some language that says, uh, the customer has read and acknowledged 
the uh, scheduled third-party service providers and understands that the MSP uses these service providers to deliver the services and that the customer understands that its rights will be governed by and limited by the end-user license agreements on the, you know, in the links in the schedule. And it's either signed there by the client or, you know, incorporated by reference in a signature elsewhere on an order or proposal or is, in the master agreement or whatever. Is this, a, I, is this an assumption ahead. of risk, Rob? Argument? No, this is a uh, clarity of and transparency of the uh, legal terms and conditions that will govern the relationship that goes to the question of whether or not when the MSP says I'm not responsible for third-party failures, whether or not that will hold up in court. Okay. So it doesn't transfer any additional risk. It's just clarifying the existing risk that the that the customer finds themselves in, whether they went direct to the to a Kaseya or they go through the MSP. They're in no different situation. Everything is as as it was before, but you're drawing a greater amount of attention to the end user of, of things that may not have been previously highlighted or well known. Is that a fair way to put it? That's very fair way to say it, and, and it's specific to who are the vendors and what are the agreements. We're saying generally we're not responsible for third parties. You know, in and in it's likely that you know an end user customer would argue we had no idea who who that was. This sort of a blanket general waiver is not clear enough. It's not unequivocal enough, and it it really doesn't go to a known right. You know, this is not something that was discussed. This is not something that they said, you know, and by the way, if there's a ransomware attack, um, nobody will be paying. That's They didn't have that. That This idea of, you know, a known right, which is the legal standard. I mean, you, you, we needed we needed to disclose more, be more transparent about who the third party service providers are and what specifically the right, the limitations of the rights would be. And that's what this schedule of third-party services is designed to accomplish. Well, Rob, I can't help but think that doing this as a standard practice uh, on the part of MSPs is going to help align things much more quickly and give transparency to customers who... By the way, I mean, my if I was an end user customer and I and I had an MSP who presented to me this type of a revised agreement, I would say, okay, I I accept this. I may not like the fact that there's this uh, third party vendor that is being used by you to deliver these services. I probably wouldn't have any different agreement if I went direct to them. But I might mitigate my risk by going out and getting my own cyber policy that covers things that are outside of the MSP's control that might protect me. So I think that there's it, it just gives me more options as a hypothetical end user of managed services. You know, I completely agree. I think there's a, a, a legal component to it 
very narrowly toward what I'm talking about with, you know, a, you know, in response to Kaseya. But this type of transparency um, is beneficial to the MSP and the end user because the end user may say, you know what, I, I don't want Kaseya. I don't want whatever, you know, whatever the list is. Now, now they've got an opportunity to have a conversation. Now they have a conversation, then they sign the paper. Did they give up a known right? No. Obviously. Obviously. So, 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 so the idea is transparency, full disclosure, uh, make the waiver of liability for third-party service failures uh, much more strong in terms of the possibility of holding up in, in, in the face of a challenge in court. Right. And it also is business ethics wise, um, best practices wise, uh, transparency and communication lead, tr lead to trust. Yeah. And MSP is the trusted advisor. How could tra more transparency be bad? It's only good. Rob, I, I can't help but think that, well, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil the surprise. You, you, you know what's we're we're going to be having some pretty big industry shaking news in probably the next several weeks, a month or two at the most. But we're we're going to be doing some stuff um, that that's going to be pretty revolutionary. But I, Rob, I, I can't help but think that every MSP that doesn't have this the schedule of third party vendors, as well as some mention of articulated ransomware style cyber attacks data breaches data data loss scenarios articulated in their managed services agreements I, I i would say that at this point correct me if i'm wrong they are walking they're practicing managed services without a tightrope without a net i mean they're they're like in free fall i mean maybe i'm too too aggressive in the language but they need to update no, their Charlie, stuff. I, I think you can't overstate it because, you know, again, coming back to the Kaseya situation, here's a situation where arguably the MSP's insurance doesn't answer, right? Because it wasn't their fault. They weren't negligent, right? Um, and now the MSP could be stuck with, you know, holding the bag in a litigation involving a third-party service provider which, oh, by the way, the contract says they got to defend them too <laughs> um, with no insurance to cover it. And that's why the analogy of no safety net really is apt because I can envision a scenario where an MSP in this situation uh, who has insurance, that the insurance might not cover the claim. They've got to defend not only themselves, but the vendor in a situation where they're not at fault. And with a customer who's got a big problem on their hands that is blaming the MSP. It's like the worst situation an MSP could be in. And so I, I agree that I joked about Kaseya. I said, I'm interested in getting involved in the Kaseya litigation. I'll take any case other than the MSP. Because <laughs> I'm you know, facetiously saying I think the MSP in that situation is in the legally tough spot.
But that's not a good, Rob, that is not a good position for the vendors to want their MSP partners to be in. I got to be really honest about that. That's a horrible position for your channel to be in an in an indefensible position, if what you're saying is true. I totally agree. And I, and I think the vendors need to adjust to this. I, I did a project recently where I helped one of the largest accounting firms in the world launch a managed services practice. And what we did is we aligned the vendor contracts with the customer contracts and the vendors that wouldn't agree on a limited basis to answer uh, for uh, claims arising from failures of the solution were not selected. And the ones that were selected agreed to a, a fair but limited uh, li limitation of liability that would run in favor of each customer and user. And that was, you know, limited, you know, by uh, revenue as they frequently are but didn't go so far as to say we cover nothing. Right. And I think that's the model. Everybody should be responsible for their own failures. Nobody should be insurance for somebody else's failures. The vendor shouldn't be responsible for issues that arise by virtue of the MSP's, you know, improper use of the tool, for example. Um, on the other hand, the MSP should not indemnify and hold the vendor harmless for claims that arise by end users by virtue of failures of the solution of the vendor or the negligent or reckless acts of the of the vendor. Yeah, I don't, look, nothing you are saying is outrageous. Or if, if we are sitting around a table or a bar just talking, these, these are not fantastical statements here that but this is this this conversation is showing a, a bright light into our industry that i'll just chalk it up as we never had these situations these events happening that required us to have these types of conversations in the way we are today i agree it's a it's a it's a shift and i, I honestly think that's why the Kaseya incident, in part, I mean, there were a number of reasons why I think it became, you know, a worldwide mainstream media story. But I think one of those things, one of those reasons is I do think it is a shift. I think it will will look back at this incident, in the, you know, with the benefit of some hindsight, and we'll see that our industry, our industry began to shift as a result. So... I think you're right. Uh, I would, again, it seems like every time we, we talk, you know, there, there's a, a call to action at the end, uh, but I mean it. If, if you don't have, uh, forget the schedule, right? The schedule of vendors, that, that's going to be something that um, if you're already working with Rob's firm, he's probably already bringing this up to you as an MSP. But for the larger community worldwide, stay tuned. We're going to have some really cool uh, news and events coming up in the next uh coming weeks and months that will address um, this issue squarely. But if you don't have any type of ransomware mention in your service agreements, you, you can't let that go any longer. You have to fix it. You have to have some sort of reference that protects you, protects your customers, 
And you just can't be silent on that issue. And if you don't have anything in your in your agreements, it is silent, right? It doesn't matter that your salespeople are mentioning it. It that doesn't matter. It needs to be in your agreements. It needs to be something that's agreed upon by both parties. Um, Rob, I, ju- I, I just got to say, it's we got a lot of work to do, right? We we we, uh, we got to turn this around in the right direction. Well, look, I, I think that uh, we have the right catalyst in terms of the focus and the attention on the issue. And, you know, there's a model here for both the vendors and the MSPs to uh, change uh, the situation that we're in and for it to be done in a way that is fair and reasonable for all parties where nobody is being asked to answer for things that they didn't do or failed to do. And that they only, you know, only people are only going to hold the bag legally if it's their fault. And uh, it can be done. Uh, it's going to require the vendors to uh, rethink the way they're contracting in some ways. And it's going to require the MSPs to rethink along the lines of what we're talking about, the way they're contracting with their customers. But it'll all shake out. It's going to. We're just in the beginning phases, but I think this will be something that will shake out and that we'll see uh, changes in this regard. Because what will happen is the uh, vendors that support MSPs that understand that MSPs are concerned about these risks are going to come up with customer contracts that are appealing to MSPs. And the vendors who don't do that uh, ultimately will lose. And the ones that uh, agree to play uh, more fairly and, and uh, along the lines of what I'm describing, where the risk balancing is is appropriate given each party's role and responsibility. Um, those vendors um, will win. Those that do that and those that that you know dig in and insist on doing things the old way will lose share. Yeah. I, I think that's great. I, I really like, Rob, the way you phrase it, which is everybody's responsible for their own actions and nobody is an insurance uh, underwriter for somebody else's bad behavior or misdeeds. And I think that that's just the, the best way that we could phrase it as as not just the MSP Alliance, but the MSP Global Profession. That is, that's a very fair, equitable way to present what we're trying to achieve. We're not there yet. We got to do a better job, frankly, Charles, of 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 educating on that point. I, I think that there's still a huge amount of the end user community that thinks that anything that happens with IT is the responsibility of the MSP, and what? that if the MSP chooses a vendor, that they are taking legal responsibility for anything that happens as a result. I honestly believe. That there are many end users that think that's true. Well, I, I can't say that I blame them for thinking that because they're getting, at least in the United States, they, they had a, you know, the, the CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure um, Security Agency, just issued a bulletin for uh, consumers of managed services, letting them, uh, you know, know that they may be at risk if they outsource. And I think that that type of guidance is, is exactly what is fueling this type of, um, you know, yeah, you are in, at risk because all, everybody else is disclaiming liability and leaving it on you, and that that's not fair. So we'll, we'll fix this. We'll, we'll we'll get this. 
squared away. Um, Rob, thanks again for for hopping on. And and, and again, if you guys have not engaged uh, a lawyer, if you don't have legal counsel uh, and you are looking to update some of these concepts into your managed services agreements, definitely give Rob's firm a call. They work with a, a large variety of MSPs, um, many of them MSP Alliance members. Uh, I don't know how many, but it's got to be got to be a, a, a ton of them. And they they do good work. And like like you've been hearing here, it will really set up your managed services practice to be far more secure than it is today. And at least are start to articulate very carefully how risk is handled by your managed services practice to your customers, as well as how it involves those third-party vendors. Because everybody, we're all in this together. We're all part of that supply chain, and it all needs to be addressed. So I hope all of you guys out there enjoyed this. If you have a comment uh, for Rob or myself, please send us an email at mspzone at mspalliance.com. We'd love to have you um, share those comments. If you want to join us on the program one of these times, we'd love to have you. Um, Rob, thank you for, for joining us today. Thank you, Charlie. We'll talk to you soon. And to all of you out there, stay safe. And until next time, stay with us on the MSP Zone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a like. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you will get notified when future episodes are released. We will see you next time in the MSP Zone. Zone.